State Sycamores are tournament champions. The Ramblers of Loyola, Chicago, and Missouri State is Missouri Valley Conference tournament champion. Northern Iowa back in the NCAA tournament. Wichita State Shockers, winners of the Missouri Valley Conference. The Inside the Valley podcast uh, previews for the 2016-17 Missouri Valley Conference men's basketball season continues. Today we're going to talk a little bit about the Drake Bulldogs, and I'm pleased to be joined by my friend who has been my uh, Valley Hoops analyst for uh, a number of seasons now, doing the uh, NBC Hoops shoot-around that we host on YouTube. Uh, He is himself a uh, Valley Player of the Year and academic All-American, part of the 2008 Drake Bulldog team that reached the NCAA tournament. He's got a sandwich named after himself as well. Adam Immenecker. Adam, how are things going, sir? Not too shabby, Derek. It seems like only yesterday that we were back doing this, uh, sharing the screen together and getting to chat NBC hoops. I'm looking forward to the year getting started. I know. We were talking early before we started recording and how quickly the summer goes. And uh, not only the summer now, we're already getting ready for basketball media day coming up on October 25th here in St. Louis. And for us, that means things are going to be off and rolling and, and no stop until March, but uh, that's the fun time of year. We always love talking basketball, especially here in the Valley where basketball means so much to all of our fans and a number of our uh, folks that cover the league uh, inside and out. Well, and every, there's, you know, there's, there's been a little bit more turnover in the year in the Valley, if you look this year, just in terms of players. So you're losing your, your big names, your Ron Bakers, your Fred Van Vliet, even when you go over to Evansville, the big guy, Eskidius Miscaviches and DJ Valentine. So losing these guys that feel like they've been mainstays for years. Now every fan base in the Valley kind of has some hope. They say, yeah. well, those guys are kind of off the top now. We, we have an opportunity to have a pretty good year, and everybody's undefeated right now, so yep. there's a lot of excitement building. Yeah, you, you said it perfectly there. That's been the recurring theme as I've been talking with a number of our radio guys and TV guys and newspaper beat writers with these previews is that the the, the elephant in the room, Ron Baker, Fred Van Vliet, and then seniors down the line, DJ Ballantyne, you just named them all. Uh, these guys have all graduated, and the league's looking a little bit different now. Um, yep. And then so I've got you here to talk a little bit about the Drake Bulldogs, and here's a team where that's not completely the case because you've got a number sure. of guys returning, including Reed Timmer, Jacob Innovold, guys like that, that uh, can play uh, major difference makers in the league this year, not only for their team, but possibly in how the league shakes out uh, and, and how the Bulldogs can improve in 2016-17. Yeah, I think, you know, if you're a coach, the one thing you really want is continuity. And Ray Giacoletti's getting that with his bunch this year. So really only two new scholarship players. You got Deontay Murray and TJ Thomas, two junior college transfers that hope to bring a lot more athleticism to a group where, honestly, that was one of the things that they lacked a little bit last year. But in terms of players coming back, you mentioned Reed Timmer. Obviously, everyone knows him for going hard to his left and his scoring prowess. Oriaro Gandade, I think, really took a big step next year. He's going to be a junior now, kid out of Chicago. Pretty good athlete. Has come has come to be known for not only his hair, but being a really good <laughs> defender around the conference. And, you know, a guy that has made waves throughout his time in the Missouri Valley Conference. Jacob Ennevold, uh, the seven-footer, has kind of been a little bit up and down, had a really promising future, and then he struggled a little bit last year. Had Dominic Olinichek, who, of course, uh, transferred to Ole Miss and is going to be a big guy that they that they really miss this year. But they still have this really talented seven-footer in Jacob Ennevold. And, you know, we talked about the other guys. Obviously, they're cornerstones. They're a little more predictable I think the Bulldogs are going to go as far as Jacob Ennevold can push him 
And I think if you talk to some Drake fans, they'd be really excited about that, and some would be a little bit more apprehensive. But when you get a guy who's been around the program for four years, he's got the type of uh, talent Jacob does, they're, they're going to need him to come up big in some big games. Yeah, Jacob averaged uh, five points a game last year, uh, playing 29, uh, 29 games, starting 24 of them. Uh, yeah. The, the the big man position in our league is one of those ones where we're so guard oriented here, and you know this better than anybody. Yep. We talked about Ron, talked about Fred, DJ, guards right there, Reed Timmer or guard. They mean so much, but how important is it to have a big man that can sort of control the inside for you here in a league like the Valley? Well, I, th- I think you mentioned why it is so important that there's just not many guys for you to match up with. So if you look at if you look across the landscape of high school and college basketball, there's just going to be more guards. And we've been fortunate enough as a league, as long as I've been affiliated with it, we get some really good guards that uh, to play. The the seven foot athlete and yeah. the seven foot guy with touch on the inside is just a lot more rare. So. Even in basketball today, you see guys that run, jump, and dunk more so at that big man position. This is Jacob's a little bit of a throwback in that that's not really his his forte. He's a guy that's going to take his back to the basket, make a dribble, drop step, little baby jump hook, or land it up off the glass. So because of that, part of what could make him so effective and what makes him such a difference maker is the fact that he is so unique and he's hard for everyone else to match up with when he's playing well. Last year for the Bulldogs, as I'm looking at their box score from uh, 2015-16, uh, one, two, three, four, three Bulldogs played 31 games. Four Bulldogs, sorry about that, uh, played 31 games. One of those being Reed Timmer, who started all 31 of those games, averaging 16.8 points. Uh, how important is he to this team this year? Uh, has he got the opportunity now to be a real star uh, in this league with, with some uh, graduations happening there now last year? Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, I think you look at a lot of the guys that are in that sophomore, junior, and even in the senior class now, when you look at the guys that graduated, you you probably work at an upstage DJ Ballantyne. Uh, that, that's just not going to happen very often because of how good of a player he is. But now there there can be a little bit of a turning over of the guard. So if you've been playing, if you're Reed Timmer, you've been playing against Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet for the last two years against Wichita, that can get in your head. Those are yeah. upper upperclassmen, experienced guys. Sometimes it's hard to get over that hump. As soon as those guys leave, now you have a little bit of a fresh perspective. So, you know, I, I, I think when you, you talk to Coach Ray Giacoletti about Reed, the, the thing that stands out is just his heart and his desire to win. Without question, the kid can score. And he's shown that ever since he came in for a freshman to average double digits in this league, especially at the guard position, is really unusual. So now that he's a junior and senior, it's not about the scoring. It's about how can I figure out how to do the other things. So can I be a better defender? Can I be a better passer? Can I figure out ways to put my teammates in a position to succeed? And when you talk to Reed, that's that's what gets him excited. That's what he wants to do. And I think those are the types of things he's been working on from a leadership perspective and from a skill set and team perspective uh, over the last couple of years. Turning our attention to the uh, Bulldogs schedule in the non-conference portion of it, they uh, have matchups with South Dakota, UMKC, uh, part of the Great Alaska Shootout this year. Yep. Uh, DePaul and uh, Fresno State, that Fresno State matchup, part of the Mountain West Missouri Valley Challenge, uh, and of course the High V Classic there that the Bulldogs in Northern Iowa always take part in, uh, taking on Iowa State and Drake this year. Drake will have Iowa State and South Dakota State as well before they jump into Valley play, kicking off with Loyola on December 29th. 
those non-conference opportunities, when you have those against power team, power five conference teams, uh, that, that Iowa State game obviously is going to be majorly important uh, for them. But talk about how important it is you have these opportunities to play uh, the non-conference games and sort of get yourself ready before uh, life in the valley, as we like to call it. Yeah, well, I think the, the names you just went through helped help tell us that or help let us know that we're going to know what Drake's going to be pretty early on in the year. We're going to know, did the does the carryover of experience really help them into this year? And are we seeing a different team or are we seeing kind of the team we've seen over the last few years with with Ray Giacoletti's term? So with the with the Fresno states, the Iowa states and South Dakota states, you're pretty playing pretty good opponents. I mean, these are these are people that are in the NCAA tournament or really close to the NCAA tournament every year. Twenty five plus wins for most of them. Uh, Iowa State, obviously, at twenty three last year. But twenty five plus wins. That's a lot of victories. Yeah. So you're, not only are you playing a program that's had some success, these are kids that know how to win. So between those three games, and then I think the Great Alaska Shootout is going to help us pretty early when they go up to Anchorage. There's some pretty good competition. You're out in a kind of a foreign environment in a sense when you go to Alaska, and it'll it'll be a really good test for those kids. And what I what I'm really looking forward to and hopeful for. Sometimes you go on those team trips, especially to a place like Alaska, where you're going to be a little bit more relegated to the hotel. You're not going out right. on the beach doing all those <laughs> kind of things. That's some that's really good time you can spend together. Uh, so take it as an opportunity. Maybe the kids will come or the guys will come together and start playing well. You get a win, you get two wins, you get three wins. Once the ball starts rolling, then uh, it's hard to kill that momentum. The uh, Alaska, the Great Alaska Shootout, of course, hosted by Alaska Anchorage, also includes Buffalo, uh, Drake Bulldogs, Iona, Nevada, Oakland, UC Davis, and Weber State. So uh, some opportunities there. You know, we'll see yeah. how that how that pans out. Uh, every Valley team uh, playing those. Uh, those tournaments, holiday or Thanksgiving or Christmas, there against uh, uh, other teams on a neutral site. So that's that's imp- uh, been an important uh, scheduling uh, aspect for a number of teams in our league. Let's turn our attention to the league now. We talk a lot about the Valley. We do our little video yep. segment, and uh, this year we've said it before, we'll say it again. It's going to be a little different with uh, those guys graduating. Uh, when you look at the league itself, uh, it's just shaping up the teams. Of course. It- Everyone that said that I've talked to thus far starts with Wichita State. That's who has mm-hmm. always been the pick. And until someone knocks him off, that's what we're looking at. Uh, but when you look at the top five, five or so teams in the league, how do you see it possibly shaking out uh, in sixteen seventeen? Yeah, so maybe I'll answer that question a little bit differently. And I, and I know you mentioned Wichita State being at the top, and of course they deserve it. I mean, the, with what Greg Marshall has been able to do down there in Wichita, they deserve. Uh, all the accolades, they deserve all the respect that they get. It'll just be interesting now. He's, you know, it's, it's, it's reinventing yourself. That's the great thing about college basketball. Every four years or even less than that, sometimes your roster turns over. You have to reinvent yourself as a player, reinvent yourself as a coach and figure out what is the next iteration of your team and how you're going to win. A couple, a couple things I'm curious about going into this year. I'm curious about Bradley. So coach Wardle, with this new team, we kind of saw this position he was in last year. How much progress can they make? What, what is that going to look like? Is Bradley going to be the team that we've been used to over the last four or five years that's just really struggled to be consistent? Or are we going to see the junkyard dogs that we saw out of them last year just playing with that level of intensity as they got kind of towards the end of the year? I kind of lumped Drake into that category as well. We talked about them a lot earlier, so I'll be brief here. But with this team... We know who their players are. 
it's, there's a lot of knowns with the program can experience trump the losses that they've had over the last few years and can they build that up into starting to get some momentum and just starting to earn some victories and then i'm really interested to see with northern iowa and jeremy morgan i think last year i was expecting him he took a big step i think i was expecting him to maybe even take a bigger step he's going to be the go-to guy this year so what does that look like? How does he play as the primary player on that roster? Can he shoulder that load and use his athleticism similar to the way Wes Washburn did last year and really be able to dictate the tempo of the game? Yeah, that's that, they should be a fun team to watch as they always are. Uh, going to look a little different with, especially at the guard position. We, we seen them sort of take on a different personality from Seth Tuttle, uh, the year mm-hmm. prior to Wes and, and now Jeremy sort of becoming that the go-to player for them. Um, we talked about Jeremy there, uh, highlighting some individual players. If you think about the preseason all conference team, uh, anybody, uh, your top five or six, you, you're keeping your eye on in the league this year. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's funny. We, we get, uh, the four seniors we've been talking about a few times, Van Vliet, Ron Baker, uh, talking about Ballantyne and Miscaviches. Of course, can't go without mentioning Anthony Bean and the year he had last year. So losing all those guys. Uh, you you almost have to step back and think for a second. It's been pretty easy for us to pick first-team all-conferences yep. with, with guys like that in the mix. But, uh, again, an opportunity for people. So as you and I talked before the show, Derek, obviously Brenton Scott's going to get a lot of attention with the year and career he's had so far. I think Jeremy Morgan being one of those guys that we would look to potentially being on that first-team all-league. You know, one guy I really like out of Wichita, and mostly just because of watching Greg Marshall rave about him, Landry Shamit, just a guy that he said probably could have been the third best player on their team last year before he got hurt behind Baker and Van Vliet. That, that's pretty high praise yeah. from a guy that's seen some pretty good players. So I, I'm looking for him to make a big splash in the league. Uh, and then you have maybe what I would consider that, that uh, a next mix of who's going to step up between Daquan Miller uh, Reed Timmer in that mix. Milton Doyle, of course. Milton Doyle, all the talent in the world. Just unfortunately with Porter Mosier and Loyola, they kind of haven't been able to put together an entire season of success so far. And then a couple other Wichita State guys, Marcus McDuffie, Shaq Morris. And I know we're missing guys on this list right now. It's, it's hard to get through everybody. But I think what that tells you is how open source the league yeah. is right now. I Absolutely. mean, there's there's a lot of good teams and a lot of good players, so I don't want to make it seem like we're watered down for talent because we're not, not in the least. It's just we've lost some of those headliners, and when you lose some of those headliners and it's and it's open, I think that's almost as fun as much fun for fans as anything else. Yeah, it should, it should be fun again this year as it always is. Um, you're going to be doing a number of games with us for uh, ESPN3 as part of the Valley's uh, basketball package and and uh, you'll be back helping me every uh, few weeks or so uh, look at look around the league and our NBC hoop shoot around so can't believe it's already time to start talking basketball going to full gear our preseason poll and all conference team the official one will come out uh, as part of our NBC basketball tip-off day on Tuesday October 25th so it's time to get ready to go and November 11th, right, is the first game. November yep. 11th, we're less than a month away. Goodness gracious, I can't <laughs> believe it, but I'm looking forward to it. Don't miss your chance to see who will hoist the hardware at the 2016 Missouri Valley Conference Men's Soccer Championship presented by Mediacom. 
Get to Allison South Stadium in Springfield, Missouri, November 8th, 9th, 11th, and 13th as the Valley crowns its champion. For tickets and more information, call 417-836-7678 or visit MissouriStateTicks.com. The Missouri Valley Conference, where champions make history. As we continue to look around the Missouri Valley Conference and prepare for the upcoming men's basketball season, it's time to turn our attention to the Missouri State Bears. As uh, as in, in previous interviews with folks around the league, the Bears have become one of the more intriguing teams with a number of players returning to the 2016-17 squad and here to talk more about the outlook for this year's Missouri State men's basketball team. We've got the voice of the Missouri State basketball team and football, uh, Art Haynes down in Springfield. Art, how are things going? Going great, Derek. Uh, beautiful fall, a lot of excitement and uh, anticipation for basketball. Yeah, we've got media day quickly approaching uh, as we talk here a week out from today where our preseason poll and all-conference team uh, will be announced here uh, from the league office. But um, let's just jump right in this year's team. Uh, Daquan Miller back uh, last year's newcomer of the year uh, in the Missouri Valley Conference. He, along with uh, two other seniors and Jordan Martin and Tyler McCullough, um, this year's team, it seems to have a lot of uh, upside and, and perhaps uh, rightfully so with uh, so many players returning from last year's squad, uh, including some talents uh, coming in uh, that can make a difference. When you uh, look at this year's team, what's been sort of uh, uh, the perspective on the 16-17 the Bears? Well, I mean, there's uh, in, in some circles some skepticism because there have been back-to-back losing seasons. Uh, but I think uh, the loyalists are really excited about what they see. I mean, you start with the three freshmen that played key roles last year. Obadiah Church, just an exciting talent, and uh, uh, a finisher at the rim, a shot blocker, a dunker, something that the Bears teams haven't historically had. And then Jared Dixon and Ryan Kreklow. Uh Those are both guards. Kreklo maybe kind of a wing. Uh, there was a scrimmage. Uh, last Saturday morning prior to the homecoming football game. And Kreklow just kept shooting from farther and farther out. And the last one was about 30 feet and and made them all. So with those three guys that are now sophomores that played quite a bit last year, you mentioned Daquan, uh, really the heart and soul of the team. And then some incoming talent on top of that, uh, led by Ronnie Russo, who at State Fair Community College was a JUCO All-American Average 23 points a game. Now, he's a lot like Daquan in stature and in game. I'd say he's he's more of a, a pure shooter. Uh, Daquan certainly wants the ball in his hand with the game on the line. And uh, several times last year had winning baskets or, or drives or jump shots uh, that were instrumental in a lot of good things. But uh, Russo brings that and then some. Uh, he has organized the team, and this has just come organically, that uh, they're in the weight room at 5.30 in the morning, and it's kind of peer pressure, uh, you better be there because we're going to be there. And that's coming from a newcomer, uh, Russo, just a workout maniac. So you, you've got the, the two little guards that are just dangerous on the wings, and then two Juco forwards, uh, Alizé Johnson is 6'9", and legitimate 6'9". He averaged a double-double in junior college in Texas last year, you put him with Obadiah inside. Of course, then Chris Kendricks returns for his junior year, and we think he's just scratched the surface of what he can do. So uh, and then another one is Jared Dix, or I'm sorry, Jared Rhodes, who's a six-six uh, kind of wing forward that will play some uh, three, some four. So it's really a, a pretty deep situation there as far as Bears talent. 
One name you did mention and a guy who built a uh, reputation early in his career before uh, being hampered by injuries is Austin Reuter, uh back for his year. What's uh, sort of been his uh, his uh, preseason look? He, I know he sat out uh, with some injury with some injuries. Excuse me. Um, is he uh, fully healthy this year? And will he uh, be be a little bit more of a difference maker? Well, he's not fully cleared to uh, practice yet, and the same with Tyler McCullough. These are two yep. guys that uh, have had a lot of injuries in their careers. Uh, Reuter had a, a hip labrum surgery in the spring, and that has held him back. I mean, he is partially practicing, but not fully. He did not participate in the scrimmage on Saturday, nor did McCullough. But, yeah, you add Reuter in there as a fourth-year junior who got a medical redshirt last year, and then that's yet another long-range weapon. He's worked on other aspects of his game, but kind of been held back by the injuries. Yeah. They've had media day there, and I I assume the players had uh, something to say on their end about what they uh, look for this coming year. What's been the mentality of the team this year, including from coach? Uh, it, it seems that when I've talked to some folks around the league that they see an opportunity now. Uh, of course, Wichita State uh, probably still the favorite, and we'll get into that a little bit more, but it seems that a number of uh, coaches and student-athletes in the league uh, feel like it's a little bit more of an opportunity for them to make waves in the league this year. Oh, they definitely think that. Um, you, you look, first of all, at the league, as you mentioned, and uh, it's been often said, but it's, uh, I think, important nine of the ten first and second team all-conference players graduated. Uh, so you've just got one left. Wichita State did lose the two outstanding senior guards. No uh, illusions, though, about how good the Shockers are going to be. They've reloaded, recruited again. They're going to be the favorite until proven otherwise. But there does look like there's a vacuum there in the first division, maybe behind Wichita State, and maybe even the last day of the season, JQH, if things are going well, you have a chance to sneak up on the Shockers. But uh, with with so many players coming back and the infusion of talent and the way the new guys have fit in uh, from the beginning, uh, there's there's a lot of optimism on the team and kind of quiet optimism from Coach Lusk uh, that this could be a, a pretty successful year for the Bears. The league uh, going into this year, it seems that Northern Iowa has been getting some attention. Jeremy Morgan, especially along with Clint Carlson, who had a great postseason uh, for the Panthers uh, at the end of 2015-16. Uh, uh, Illinois State with their athleticism uh, continuously also gaining some attention. When you look around the Missouri Valley Conference, uh, anything stand out to you, uh, perhaps when you think about the preseason poll, we talked about the Shockers, uh, how do you think the top five or, or so might shake out? Well, I mean, I think there's a break, top four, bottom six, and I think Missouri State is uh, at least fourth. Uh, the ones that you mentioned, Northern Iowa, the job Jake has done, and, and Morgan and Carlson and the others are coming back, and, and then uh, Illinois State always has a lot of athletes Uh, they can be scary good on certain nights so I mean I think those are your top four and then you know when I fill out my poll I I look and see well who do I like fifth Hmm. well okay let's go the other way who do I like tenth (laughs) Hmm. Uh, you know Bradley was all freshmen last year and you know they're going to be better so five through ten to me was was really uh, a toss-up uh, but I think I'm being as objective as I can, and I understand that uh, uh, I'm going to have more knowledge of the Bears than I do maybe the incoming sure. players at some of the other cities, and the same is true for their people. Right. Uh, but uh, uh, I, I think there's a pretty clear top four and a bottom six, and how they shake out within those uh, pairings is going to be interesting. Two-part question for you here. Um, looking at individual uh, players around the league, 
First for the Bears, anybody you think that might fly under the radar that would surprise some folks? And you, I know you talked a lot about the roster uh, in the first part here. Uh, who do you think might be the, the surprise player that could make a difference? And then uh, elsewhere in the league, someone that's returning, obviously, that you think, while well, they've got the chance to sort of uh, take the next step in their career when you look around an, uh, another team in the league? Well, as far as uh, the Bears are concerned, um, incoming player, I think, Alizé Johnson. And, and I mentioned Ronnie Russo as well, and uh, uh, I, I think he's added a lot. But Johnson adding that size to go with Church, uh, the Bears aren't as deep on the front line as they are in the backcourt. But I think you got six nine Johnson and then six seven who plays about six nine Church. Uh, you got a chance to have a pretty good situation there. So I think Johnson is the one that has a chance to be a real difference maker. Uh, Bears returning players making a jump forward. I mentioned Kendricks, who did improve from his freshman to sophomore year. His freshman year was kind of troubled. Uh, his sophomore year, uh, particularly the second half of the season, he really came on. And uh, and then again, Church. I think the sky's the limit with him. He could be an all-conference player. So uh, uh, if you're talking about this team, uh, I think those are some guys to to watch out for. Okay. And in, in the league, any, anybody from last year uh, with some departures, obviously, that could play some difference uh, for their teams. Obviously, we, uh, some of the folks I've talked to before have named a lot of the Wichita State players, giving uh, the seniors that have graduated that they could play more of a significant role in their teams. But uh, anything, anybody else that might stand out to you uh, elsewhere in the Valley? Well, I mean, McDuffie from, from Wichita, of course, uh, I think everybody knows about him and, and Shaq Morris uh, inside, uh, Brenton Scott, Indiana State, I mean, Reed Timmer. These are all kind of uh, kind of obvious people. I yeah. think they'll, they'll be good, uh, good opportunities to make all conference. Yeah. Well, it's going to be uh, fun to watch again. As we always say, the, the scheduling has always been a little bit more of the interesting part. And the Bears this year, uh, no, no exception to that with uh, uh, power conference opponents uh, on the schedule, taking on regional opponents as well, uh, matchup with Valpo or Roberts, uh, Air Force, part of the Missouri Valley Mountain West Challenge, uh, intriguing matchup with DePaul uh, in, in late November. So, And then the Bears will be going to Las Vegas as part of their uh, uh, tournament around Christmas time. Uh, some, some good opportunities for them uh, to sort of uh, get things going before they jump into conference play when you look at their non-conference schedule. There are. It's a good mix, I think, Derek, of um... – uh, of home games that, that you should win and, and challenging games. And then, as you said, some Power 5 games. Uh, USC will be our opponent the first round in Vegas. Might play DePaul twice. Yeah. Got them at their place the night before Thanksgiving. And then they also are in the Vegas tournament. And Wyoming is the fourth team there. So could play them a couple of times. Uh, you mentioned Air Force, North Dakota State coming in here. Yeah. And they're not only good in football, uh, they've been good recently in basketball. They'll be here on the Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend. So it's a, it's a pretty good mix of schedule. All right, and it should be fun to watch. The Bears will actually have a an exhibition game, I believe, and we're down there uh, for the men's soccer tournament. So I'll hopefully be able to get a chance to hop in there and, and see them for myself for the first time in 2016-17 before we get things uh, going in November. Sir, I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much, and look forward to seeing you again soon. Sounds good, Derek. You too. All right, thanks so much, Art.